0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Earth Station One. This week we are talking all about a true classic in some ways. (laughs) <laughs> to some people, we are talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the which did lay the groundwork for the TV show that followed a few years later, and it's early Joss Whedon at his best, and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk all about it. And we got a great time. My name is Mike, and of course, Mike Gordon is here too. Howdy! How are you this week, my friend? Peachy keen! Ready to jump in with both feet and have your stakes
2: ready? Ready to go back in time to the 90s.
1: Exactly. God, I can't believe it's 27 years ago that movie came out. Yes. Introduced the world to Buffy Summers. That's pretty darn awesome. So it was kind of cool to see what happens. And, you know, it's going to be fun. We got a great crew to talk all about it. Of course, we want to hear from you at home. Please write us at EarthStation1 at ESOnetwork.com. All right. Let's jump in with both feet. We got a lot to talk about this week. We got a very, very busy show. See, something strange happened here in Atlanta yesterday, didn't it, Mr. Mike?
2: Yes, we, uh, Atlanta was the host of the Super Bowl. Of course, the big event it. Uh, uh, Are we
1: allowed to say that name? Yes. With to pay royalties?
2: Yeah, well, nobody listens to the show, dude. Um, we're fine. Uh, <laughs> Yes. So uh, the Super Bowl was here in Atlanta. And of course, I was uh, very excited because um, my uh, I say my like I own the team. But uh, I'm a fan. Uh, You know, I grew up in New England. So the Patriots are my team. Um, And uh, I uh, appreciated uh, the the game. I thought it was uh, the game itself was a an excellent uh, defensive game. In a lot of ways, it made history because it was the lowest scoring uh, Super Bowl game of all time. So that's pretty amazing. At any time, any the game could have broken out and, and either team could have won. So um, I was on my on the edge of my seat the whole time. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was pretty good. And having it here in Atlanta was cool. I think it was good for the city. Uh, certainly once we got the new stadium, we knew it was a matter of time before we get big events like the Super Bowl. And I'm pretty sure within the next few years, we're going to get WrestleMania here. So, um, you know, it was uh, pretty cool. I thought, uh, uh, from what I've heard and from what I understand, uh, Atlanta did pretty good job as a host city. Um, and I have to also want to give out a shout out to a good friend of the station, Nikki Rao Baker, who, uh, also, um, runs, of course, the geek behind the lens photography, because she took some really gorgeous photos of the city, uh, over the past week uh, or so as the city was getting ready for the Super Bowl and some of the buildings and, uh, of course, the stadium itself because she has a prime view of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So, um, But overall, you know, it was cool. Um, it, uh, obviously, there was a lot of ads, uh, a lot of trailers, and uh, I know, Mike, you saw a couple of the trailers online because they released those pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly for Avengers Endgame and uh, the new Twilight Zone show, as well as um, a couple of other things, right? Oh,
1: yeah. You had a couple of really interesting things. Uh, Microsoft actually had a really touching, you know, heartfelt commercial that, you know, or ad, if you want to call it that. Because they're not really commercials anymore. Some of them are like minor little small movies in some <laughs> yeah, ways. You're not kidding and so it was interesting to see, but you had, you know, like the Microsoft one, you know, had, you know, a disabled child who was doing something phenomenal with a Microsoft product. Uh, you also had, you know, for me that stood out that I really liked, of course, was the Bud Light commercial that ended up turning out to be a Game of Thrones promo.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, that surprised me and a lot of other people, too.
1: Mm hmm. And so it was just like, whoa, didn't see that one coming. And because these uh, Bud Light commercials has been, you know, a whole series of them back in the Middle Ages with, you know, the king who's, you know, been, you know, collecting Bud Light and everything. And even created a knight called the Bud Knight. And you saw at the beginning of this one, the knight was actually having a jousting. Tournament, and you know he actually got beaten, and it ended up turning out to be the Mountain from Game of Thrones. And then out of nowhere, a dragon attacked the town and set it on all fire.
2: I I I thought that was really cool. Although I will say, as far as Budweiser goes, I do miss the Bud Bowl.
1: Oh, of course, you know, seeing beer bottles, you know, going up against each other, you
2: know, (laughs) that was awesome. That was back when it was stop motion before the CG. So.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. And it was really well done back then, you know, but we were kids. So, you know,
2: um, as far as another ad that got my attention to, I really uh, appreciated the, I saw, I liked the uh, Amazon uh, ad uh, with Harrison Ford uh, that just, that did not disappoint. Um, I'd seen a preview of that one, I think earlier, like a couple weeks ago or something, but uh, this was the full one and it was, it was quite funny. Um mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, look, I mean, I think we've we've all stated that uh, that the um, uh, the ads are not as as fun as they used to be because it doesn't seem like and it seems like they release them like a week before now, or obviously you can see them without watching the Super Bowl, so they're they're not it's not as special as it was, um, and certainly this year was um, there was a lot of controversy, especially with the halftime show. Um, uh, so I'm not going to get into all that, uh, except I'll maybe say that, uh, uh, I preferred to watch the halftime heat, uh, NXT performance, uh, during that time so i i definitely recommend if he, anybody hasn't seen that uh they should uh dial up the uh, wwe network and, and watch that for 20 minutes or whatever it was um so that was uh more outstanding than anything um and uh, it was nice to see halftime heat back they, they hadn't done that since uh what the Rock and mcfoley like decades well, ago that was probably at least 25 years ago <laughs> i know right oh exactly. so uh so that was cool, and you know, like I said, um, history was made. Uh, the Patriots are my team, and they are uh, the best team. Uh, you could argue that they are the best team that's uh, like there's, it's ever been. Um, uh, it's pretty amazing to grow up, to grow up a Patriots fan, to grow up in New England when the Patriots were not even considered a team. Barely, um, it's amazing to me to think that. And true, like we love the Red Sox. But the Red Sox were cursed. Um, it was just one of those things where we just were like, yeah, we can't catch a break. I mean, the Bruins were okay um, and we loved them. And the Celtics were on fire because that was the day when the Celtics and the Lakers were battling each other, uh, which was amazing to watch. So, um, But as far as, you know, the, the football team, we were just kind of like, yeah, we got one, but that's, you know, um, it wasn't until – uh, 86 that uh, we got to go to the Super Bowl against the Bears but everybody knew, even we knew that the Bears were going to crush us Heck, their music video was way better than ours so, oh well, yeah, um, they had the
1: Super Bowl shuffle, come on, yeah,
2: we had I don't know, some sort of other thing that we'd shot last minute that was horrible um, and it looked really awful um, so, yeah so it's just weird for me to think that you know, growing up uh, that, uh, you know that those teams are now, I mean, both the Red Sox and the Patriots are the best teams of their sports right now. They both hold the, 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 the titles, which is just uh, amazing to me. So, um, you know, it all comes around. I mean, probably five years from now, after Brady and Belichick are gone, Patriots could just be in the toilet again. Um, so, and some other team will be winning and, and breaking all sorts of records, and people will hate them too, so of course um, <laughs> so. Everyone,
1: everyone always hates the team that does the best
2: yeah, absolutely well, look from a, as a Red Sox fan, I can tell you that you know you know hating the Yankees is really easy, especially you know when they keep winning so well, it's uh, easy
1: to hate the Yankees even when they're doing bad, so it's okay
2: <laughs> that's true uh, uh, yeah I don't uh yeah, it's not just when they're winning, I just hate them all the time. Uh, but no, I mean, the Yankees have that, you know, because they, uh, were, um dominant for so long, uh, they got a lot of it as well. And it's just, it's very strange for the, like the, the teams that I grew up with were underdogs and now like this generation has no idea, like they're growing up with the teams being like the, the, the dominant ones. It's just very, very strange. So, um mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I thought, uh, I thought it was cool. Um, you know. Was it the best Super Bowl ever? Eh, maybe not, but was it the worst? Heck no. Um, it was like, uh, it was pretty interesting to watch, I think. I'm glad um, you enjoyed it. So I, I definitely, and I and credit to the Rams because, you know, I thought they were a really strong team. In fact, they were very strong because I'd always heard that they're, I'd never seen them play, but I'd always heard that their defense was amazing. And the fact that they kept the Patriots to this just a, a field goal for almost uh, two, like, three fourths of the, the the game was amazing so uh yeah it was a an exercise in defense which i understand not that exciting for a lot of people who don't enjoy football but uh you know it's not always it's not always about scoring <laughs> growing up i learned that big time it's not always about scoring Hmm. Uh-huh. okay but while I was doing the whole Super Bowl thing over the weekend, you went to the movies.
1: I did go to the movies, and I had a blast. I went to go see a movie called Stan and Ollie, and that is about, of course, Laurel and Hardy. And, it's about the uh,
2: Three Stooges, right?
1: Yeah, it was about the Three Stooges.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's about Alvin Costello, right? hmm About the Marx Brothers, right? It's about the Marx Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know Stan. I know Stan. And we you know thanks to you know, in Georgia we have a special relationship with uh one of those two guys.
1: Yes, we do. We do, we do, but you know we will talk about that in a little bit. Cuz it's it's very interesting because it was a great experience and I'm going to come out and say it first. I hate John C Riley. I do not think he is a good actor. I have not really liked much that I've seen him in. I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan and it seems like he pops up in most of those films. And it just it didn't do much for me when I heard that he was going to play, you know, one of the main characters in this movie. And, you know, you know, it was a neat experience to be able to see you know Stan and Ollie up there I grew up with Laurel and Hardy and basically you know my grandfather was a huge huge you know early comedy fan and he introduced me to the like Mike had mentioned the Marx Brothers Abbott and Costello Charlie Chaplin you know all of those Buster Keaton you know you had all of those characters coming out of the silent era and the the biggest ones at the early stages of course was laurel and hardy and this talks about them you know the movie opens and they were you know winding up their career with the big studio and they kind of were going broke because the studio owned the rights to all their movies and they weren't getting royalties or you know the benefits of owning their own films and such but it was something that was going on in that time. And, you know, they were talking about how Charlie Chaplin had inked New Deals and same same thing with the Marx Brothers and, you know, some of the other comedians at that time. And basically, you know, Stan basically wanted to, um, you know, go off and, you know, go to another studio because his contract was up but Oliver's wasn't. And, you know, he told, you know, they tried to do it, but they broke up because of it. And cause you know, they basically they talk about personal lives and, you know, divorces and gambling problems and things like that. And then if it, it goes forward 17 years into the early 1950s and basically you see Stan and Ollie are touring Europe because they're both broke and they need the money. And so they got back together and there was a chance at another movie deal. And it was just, it was a great thing seeing how these two interacted off of each other. And I'm going to say it, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, I was not a giant C Riley fan, but he did amazing in this movie. He really impressed me. And, it was awesome also to see, I think Steve Coogan and, you know, he's Andy Partridge uh, for people in the UK. And I know he has a big following there and I've seen him in a couple of different things and he was Stan Laurel and he was just awesome. And it was just a really neat experience to see them come bring them to life And I enjoyed it completely. And there's a lot of cameos. There's a lot of, you know, guests in this. And the movie flows really amazing. And it it tugs at your heart, you know, how, you know, they needed each other. That's why they came back together. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil it for you. So if you do get a chance to see it. And, you know, I'm disappointed it wasn't nominated for more Academy Awards. And, you know, it wasn't even nominated for Best Picture, but this one was one of the best films I've seen probably in quite a few years. It was just that enjoyable. I don't know if it was because of the history I had with it or if it's, you know, just the acting and, you know, the story was just great. It flowed by and it was just like, wow. And, you know, definitely worth checking out. That's my mini review.
2: That's very cool. I, it looks great. I saw the trailer um, a couple of weeks ago when we saw um, Star is Born and I was like, I, I need to see this. Um, I, uh, I like uh, Laurel and Hardy. Um, I, you know, I like all the classics and uh, they're right there and uh, I don't think they get a lot of regard because like I said, kind of joking around in the beginning, like the Marx brothers, three suitors, like they all seem to get like they claim and I think uh, Laurel and Hardy kind of get forgotten a little bit and uh, uh and it's good to see that they're and yeah uh the in the trailer John C Reilly it, it looks different it looks like it's now did he actually gain weight or was that sort of like sort of uh prosthetic kind of like uh, they used for um uh Gary Oldman in that uh oh, Churchill. Winston
1: Churchill movie yeah, yeah pretty much the same thing
2: yeah so so yeah, it, yeah
1: there was a couple times you could actually see a little bit It wasn't as good as the Winston Churchill makeup uh-huh. But you, you could actually see, like, oh, there's a little creases or something. But it was so well done. You know, he he did knock it out of the ballpark. He lost himself to the character. He became, you know, Oliver, you know. And so it was pretty awesome. Very nice. And, you know, it was, you felt like you were actually seeing it. And, you know, a lot of the things you saw, a lot of it was real life and, for them, And it was just great. They interacted so well off of each other and the two actors did the same. So it was pretty cool. So definitely give it a total thumbs up, probably five stars.
2: Excellent. Well, I hope it's still playing for a little while. If not, I I'll have to catch it at home, but, uh, it's definitely on my radar.
1: Mm-hmm. I know her friend Shiksa went to go see it and she loved it also.
2: Well, you know what? That's, that's enough. Yeah. Because if that woman loved it, then, yeah. I mean, she, we know how much she loves Laurel and Hardy. Mm-hmm. So if she approves, it's got her stamp of approval, then you know it's solid.
1: This is a woman who was born too late. She should have been <laughs> born 40 years before. So, yeah. And, you know, she, she was like, she couldn't stop raving about this movie either. So definitely take that as, you know, A sign of honor, a badge of honor, however you wish to do it. And with that, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment. And we got the geek seat ahead of us. Ta-da.
3: Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. After a slightly lackluster Super Bowl weekend, the good news is that everything is about to be awesome once again because it's time for the Lego Movie 2, called, appropriately enough, the second part. I'm really looking forward to this movie. I really, really loved the first Lego movie. thought it was a lot of fun, and the good news is that all the trailers for the second one have looked super fun as well. Chris Pratt is returning as the lovable but bumbling minifigure Emmett who this time has to save his friends from Outer Space Invaders. And of course, we'll also see the return of other favorite friends like Batman, Unikitty, and more. This one's getting very good reviews so far. Maybe not quite as good as the first movie, but that's often the case with sequels. Critics are saying it's still zany and tons of fun, so I'm really looking forward to it and can't wait to check it out. We also have a new comedy in theaters called What Men Want, starring Taraji P. Henson as a female sports agent who is sick of her colleague's sexist behavior. She receives a mysterious special power, the ability to hear men's thoughts, and uses it to her advantage. I saw some trailers for this one. It looks pretty funny. I don't always make it to the theater for comedies, but I'll look forward to catching this one on Netflix or when it comes to Redbox. Finally, we have a thriller called Cold Pursuit about an ordinary man whose son dies under mysterious circumstances and he decides to get revenge. While this one is getting good reviews as well, the conversation is being marred by some troubling comments made by star Liam Neeson. So those unfortunate comments definitely could have a box office impact this weekend. On DVD this week, we have the animated Christmas movie, The Grinch, and also a thriller called Widows that I wanted to see when it was in theaters, but unfortunately did not get a chance to. It's about four women struggling with debts left by their dead husband's criminal activities. That's it for this week. Lots of movies to catch up on, and if you're looking forward to more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog, boxofficebuzzab.wordpress.com.
2: Hey gang, are you looking for another podcast to listen to? Well, you're in luck. The Nerdy Laser is a podcast, and we specialize
4: in 90s nerd culture. But we don't leave anything out.
2: If something is cool and nerdy, we will talk about it. So join myself, Richard Yule, and a variety of guests on the Nerdy Laser Podcasts available on iTunes, Podbean, and the ESO Network. It's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there.
5: The seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake.
1: You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just
6: look at the
1: world the Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we're here for the Geek Seat segment, and we are here with Genevieve room welcome to earth station one thank
6: you for having me
2: absolutely welcome to the station for for those people who may not be familiar with it tell us a little bit about yourself
6: um i am an illustrator i've been working in the comics industry going on nine years now primarily working with cover work but um i have done some interiors you've probably seen my stuff with coffin comics idw valiant aspen and more
2: Absolutely. And, and what great covers they are as well. And you you. you primarily um, are working with what what, as an artist, uh, is it like just pencils and and inks?
6: Yes. I'm a, I'm a pencil. I do not know what keeps going off, but I'm a pencil artist and um, I ink my own work. I use loose inks and uh, you know, dipping in the nibs and all of that stuff. So really very, very traditional and I will traditionally color my stuff with, um, Copic markers. And that's about the extent of, um, my skills. The, the computer stuff is beyond, it's beyond me. I don't understand.
2: Nine years is, is a, is a long time. Um, but, um, I just sort of curious how you sort of, did you stumble in it? Was it something that you always wanted to do?
6: I, um, yes and no. <laughs> uh, the thing is, is like, I always wanted to to draw uh, comics because I really liked them, but I didn't see them as a career path until much later. I was six months pregnant with her first, and I got laid off because of a pre-existing condition. (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't going to get a job anytime soon. Wait a minute, so it
2: was... wait a minute. I just have to pause here for a second. Was being <laughs> pregnant a pre-existing condition?
6: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and they were like, you know, you're just going to leave anyway, so just don't let the door hit you on the way out. And I was um, like, oh, uh, yay. Um, so I, you know, I had I left, and um, I wasn't going to get another job. So basically I just um, sat down you know, very pregnant and worked on submitting to companies that I wanted to work for. And I think after like uh, several tries, I got into some indie companies and that's where I got my first break. Um, I'm self-taught. I didn't go to art school. So it was more kind of figuring out all of it on my own, networking on my own. And then of course, you know, having children on your own. And going, yeah, it's, it was kind of something that I I fell into as like, I got the kick in the pants to, to go into it. But then I had always wanted to, to go into comics. So I, I think that the, the getting laid off was a really big eye opener to just kind of jump in feet first and kind of sink or swim.
2: I think. You said uh, that you're self-taught, but obviously there must be some some influence on your work. Who who did you uh, sort of look up to uh, when you were first uh, drawing?
6: Um, when I first got into comics, I got into it in the '90s, so I was really heavy into like Jim Jim Lee, Scott Campbell of, you know, Wildcats, Gen 13, the image, basically the image hoorah was when I first um, started really getting into comics and uh, Spawn and all of that. Just, it was, it was my jam. Um, But then as I started getting into comics myself, I tended to look toward more, um, uh, I I don't want to say traditional, but artists that do a little bit more realistic kind of a look like uh, Adam Hughes and Frank Cho. And Mark Brooks, who's amazing at color and rendering and um, and going from there. But I have a pretty wide gamut of influences and that's even stuff that's outside of um, the comic genre, like Brian Frau, who designed all this stuff for Labyrinth and Dark Crystal. So, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, stuff is awesome. So I always have had a, a love and passion for artwork and I started in the kind of, in the pinup genre, but I've since moved on from that genre to widen my horizon, so to speak.
2: Gotcha. Well, kind of in the, in the, the, the along the lines of the pinup genre that uh, you've got a current project that we definitely have to uh, talk about, which is your uh, current Kickstarter campaign.
6: Yes. Yes. My mermaid book. We just launched today. So, yay! and we have actually, um, we have hit our first $1,000 mark on the first day. So I'm really excited. Flabbergasted. It's, it's nerve wracking and yet exciting. At the same time. Um, but uh no, I participated in hashtag mermaid. It's basically a challenge where you draw mermaids every day for the month of May. And yeah, this this um 2018 they look more pin-up-y But um this coming up, I've already got plans for this year um as to the look that I want to do. But the whole thing was was I had like over 30 images and I was like, well, why don't I make this work for me and make it a book? And it'll finally be the first book I've ever produced. It'll be just my stuff. It's not fan art. So that's cool too.
2: Excellent. Yes. And it's fan, like, you know, I, I have followed you on Instagram. So I know most of the, your, your contributions in Mermaid were pretty awesome.
6: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's so fun because I, I love the topic. um, So it wasn't lack of inspiration of you know just drawing a bunch of mermaids it was a lot of fun and then it it was a big nail on the head when I actually met the guy who created hashtag mermaid um Tom Bancroft <laughs> we happened to be at a at a show and we were we were table neighbors and I was drawing a mermaid to keep up with the challenge and also warm up, and it was slow. And he walks up, and he's like, "Oh, you like merms?" And I just started gushing all about it. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is a little judge. You didn't do it!" <laughs> <laughs> and he's all like, "Oh yeah, I started that."
7: And I was like, "What?"
6: <laughs> <laughs> and then we just started talking, and he just he explained how it just ha- like sort of happened. And then I found out, you know, he's he worked at Disney, and I I just kind of sat back and just listened to the old Disney days in the 2d department and it, it was just kind of serendipitous in a way uh, that that all happened. But yeah, I, I love drawing mermaids. And then my next Kickstarter, if this one goes well, I'm wood, fingers crossed um, that I'll be launching inktober, which is completely a uh, different voice. It's all monsters. So you'll see uh, definitely two sides of a coin from my imagination with Very these cool. two books.
2: Very cool. Well, definitely want to do what we can to support your Kickstarter as well as other projects. So, um, but before we put you before we strap you down in the geek seat, um, I know you're. You, as you mentioned, you do a lot of conventions. What's your What's your immediate schedule look like?
7: Media
6: schedule is going to be Pensacon coming up here in a few weeks whoop, whoop, in Pensacola, Florida. And then after that, in March, it's going to be C2E2, so we'll be coming back to Chicago after not having been there for a while, and that's going to be wonderful. I have been waiting to hear, excuse me, hear back from DragonCon. That's one that we usually do every year. And um, I think we have another one that we're in the talks with, but I don't have too many shows lined up. At present though that could change
2: well i definitely encourage people to check you out at a convention you are you you and your entire family are actually just so fun to, to <laughs> be at a convention so
6: yeah we're kind of like energy level manic at shows <laughs> 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 we, we have uh, we have a lot of fun it's usually me and my husband shane at the table every now and then you'll see our girls but um whenever they're there it's Uh, there's usually an entourage of grandparents to sweep them away um, because they're young. (laughs) Uh, I won't forget one dragon con. I was, my youngest was throwing a tantrum and I had her on my hip and I was trying to talk to somebody and I had someone come up to me later. They're like, how do you do this? I'm like, Oh, I'm I'm not saying I haven't been for a while. (laughs) I was like, I'm already in it. So it's just, you just keep on going. Um, but yeah, me and Shane have, we have a great time. So same with sleep, you know, Psh, yeah, if, you're, if you're
2: looking for sanity um, and you're at Dragon Con, you're at the wrong place.
6: I know. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Shane and I have a great time. And uh, when we go to shows, it's kind of our way to also, you know, when the kids aren't there, you get to, we're grown ups. <laughs> you say bad words now grown-ups
2: as i as i remember recall you uh uh swinging lightsabers around like uh four-year-olds
6: because we're adults (laughs) exactly and we could afford those lightsabers now
2: (laughs) so true
1: so true
6: heck yeah we did
2: that was the
1: best part about becoming an adult what do you mean yeah (laughs) i know right
6: you know, when you're younger, you see those lights. You're just like, oh, but your parents won't buy it. And then you're an adult. And now, now we go home and our kids are like, can we play? And we're like, no, they're mine. You know? <laughs> those are
1: collectibles. You can't touch that.
6: Yeah, but you're hitting each other with it. But only parents can do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. We'll probably well, very it.
2: cool, Mike. I think she's all ready to go uh, for the, the geek seat. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. All right, Mikey, strap her down. Uh-oh. She, i believe she is significantly secured excellent make sure she has that lightsaber with her so i know right you gotta be careful for that exactly <laughs> remember
1: what happened last time we had a jedi here come on
2: Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> all right genevieve are you ready for your first question in the geek seat yes what was your favorite geek out moment
6: Uh, My favorite geek out moment was seeing people cosplaying characters that I actually designed and they came up to my table and it was two of them. And it was so cool because I, one, my friend Crystal, she knew that I had designed a character. Another gal had no idea. And she walked up and I was like, Oh, and it was just kind of surreal having been, you know, the person who, created all of that design work and then seeing someone dressing up in it. I was like, okay, that, that goal's met.
1: Achievement. <laughs> unlocked. Yeah, exactly. That is awesome. I'm sure like your ego goes,
6: I designed that. Yes. Just a little, I think I freaked her out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like attacking her over the table. <gasps> I did this. And she's like, no, you didn't. I made it. <laughs>
2: Well, it's interesting seeing things like that, like, you know, brought to life because you're like, oh, that's a dimension I hadn't thought of before.
6: <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. I never thought of seeing it in real life. It was all on paper. But, no, it was it was really cool. Very, very cool.
1: What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Oh,
6: I would say we were there for when the fellow got caught bringing weapons into the show.
2: Oh, was that in Denver?
6: It was in Phoenix.
2: Oh, Phoenix. Okay.
6: And um, it was, it was disappointing because it was like, you know, it was scary to realize that someone was coming in there fully armed. Um, And then of course, you know, afterwards, everybody was kind of, well, not kind of, everybody was on edge. And um, it was one of those where Shane and I would be like, no, your exits. But to... To kind of counter that whole kind of disappointing feel and that it was a scary thing. The fact is, is that someone did say something. So, and nothing happened because people noticed, um, what was going on b- via social media, um, just his behavior, et cetera, et cetera. So people spoke out when they noticed something odd. And that's really hard to do at a convention <laughs> notice odd behavior. But they did, and um, afterward, uh, the attendees and the people who were going there, and vendors were, everybody was looking out for each other. So you know, even though it was a disappointing moment and very scary, um, the community really rallied. So that was, that was cool.
1: That is awesome. What kicks you out the most?
6: Uh, when celebrities come to my table. <laughs> <laughs> Now I see celebrities in the wild. Um, You know, you see them in the green room. It is totally cool. You're all like, "Hey, I'm so chill. Yeah, just getting coffee." You're like, "Awesome," and and whatnot. And it's you know, I can keep my cool, but it's when they surprise me and walk up on my table, um, I tend to spaz. (laughs) And I think it's because I'm of the mindset that they're the celebrity. Um, So I, I guess I should be approaching them. And um, I know that uh, Ming Chen from Comic Book Men came up to my table. I was gone. I don't know what I was doing at the time, but I was not there. But of course, you know, Shane snagged a photo. I was like, "Look, he's really here. And actually now Ming and I talk. Um, and then um, Scott Adis, Adis uh, he voiced Baymax, Star Trek. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah. He came by um, at Pensacon and he started going through my stuff and I totally acted like a fool. <laughs> I, was like, I really love you. <laughs> um, because I am, I'm a huge uh, Chuckie. So it was, <laughs> it was a big moment and it's just, and I've had it a couple of times where sometimes a celebrity is being incognito and then like something catches your eye and then waltz over and then you're just kind of like, Pfft. and um, so yeah, that, like it, I totally nerd out. But if I'm in the green room and they happen to walk up, I'm, I'm fine, I guess, because I'm mentally prepared for it.
1: What turns your geek off? <laughs>
6: <laughs> um, when people like talk about like you're a fake geek or a fake nerd or kind of like, I, I guess like becoming the bullies that, you know, used to bully us. Like you, you can't sit with us type of mentality <clears throat> um that that that's very just like you don't need to act like that no. We can all play in the same sandbox
1: of course that totally makes sense yeah. right what fixture character would you like to meet the most
6: i picked now this is going away from comics but it's still it's still a nerddom
1: it's a quite okay
6: okay i picked the genie from aladdin
1: <laughs> the robin williams version or the, the coming will, will smith version
6: the robin williams version um i think it's cuz well he's all over the place and magical and at the same time robin portrayed him as very vulnerable so he looked like someone who would be fun to like sit down and get a cup of coffee with but granted you'd be like getting a cup of coffee and having a spaz out moment all at the same time it just it would be a fun character to meet.
1: Oh, yeah. And you never know where you'll end up having a that cup of coffee with him. Exactly. <laughs> what fictional character would you not like to meet,
6: though? Um, any fictional character that I don't want to meet is like uh, like Mr. Freeze, because I don't like cold. But really, any characters that relate to cold, Killer Frost, Elsa. I just don't want to meet them because I don't like the cold. <laughs> 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 You can let it go that way.
1: Wow. <laughs> oh, she went there. She went there. Oh.
6: <laughs> I just don't want to, I just, you know, I'll wave at you, hey, but I don't want to meet you because I don't like cold weather. So <laughs> y'all, you- y'all need to chill with this Arctic glass thing going on. <laughs> You're
1: in Pensacola, Florida. Come on.
6: <laughs> yeah, I know I'm in South Florida, but still, come on.
1: <laughs> what is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Uh,
6: favorite geek phrase is I'm not bad I'm just drawn that way.
1: Ah, the Jessica rabbit.
6: Mhm.
1: Awesome. I like that one. What is your ideal geek occupation?
6: Um my ideal geek occupation. Um basically being successful as an artist. Um and as successful my my idea of success would be like making, you know, a steady paycheck. Um and also like being known for my own stuff. So like, you know, people walking by they would like see my stuff in the window and be like, that's a Jimmy Fru Ball. I know that person. So that that's my hopefully successful geek occupation.
1: What geek occupation would you not like to do though?
6: Um having to learn it in computers.
1: <laughs> hey, number one answer right there
6: well and it's not because i hate computers it's just because computers and i don't mix i totally understand like love people who can do it but i cannot and we are not friends Oh,
1: well, i totally understand that um... <laughs> Some people have it, some people just don't. And
6: Exactly, exactly. That, I mean, that's just kind of like people who are predisposed to paints. I'm not necessarily one of those people, but I admire folks who can do it. So, exactly. Yeah, it's the same with computers. I'm not predisposed to understand computers, but I can admire people who are. And I don't poo-poo it either. Cause Magic it's still box immediate.
1: don't work.
6: Yeah, I'm all like, what? <laughs> I'm definitely turning to those guys from Zoolander. <laughs> the model's just beating it. <laughs> Where's the phone? I'm
1: trying to defrag my hard drive, man.
6: <laughs> that is so me. It's so sad.
1: What is your ultimate geek fantasy?
6: I think waking up with superpowers would be pretty cool.
2: Ah, you never know. Yeah. Any, any superpowers in particular?
6: Um, I don't know. Just I hope that I wouldn't wake up with something lame I guess, I don't know, like <laughs> bitten by something like a radioactive like inchworm. <laughs> it just be sad.:
2: yes, but, I, I, It would suck to be bitten by a radioactive cockroach.
6: <laughs> yeah, right? Ooh, not so cool. <laughs> um, but it would just be uh, it would be neat to have super strength. Um, but then you have to kind of watch yourself or like I can't pick up the card today uh, but I don't know there's all kinds of superpowers I don't know. I, just just waking up with some sort of superpower would be cool.
1: Mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. exactly. Well, Genevieve, got good news for you. Uh, you've made it through the geeksy. congratulations. Oh, yes, <laughs> Mr.
2: Mike Gordon tell the young lady what she's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO network, a value easily worth $16 and eight cents.
8: Yay.
2: <laughs> so I'm sorry. It won't help a lot with your Kickstarter, but That's okay. uh, hopefully we can, uh, again, give a shout out to your Kickstarter as well as your website so that uh, people can find you.
6: Yes. Um, my Kickstarter is uh, mermaid 2018 art book. I think if you just look up my name, Genevieve Brumall, there's not that many of them. So um, you'll be able to find me pretty quickly. And I have 30 days. So yeah, jump on that. It's going to be super, super fun. There's tons of additional stuff. And if we make it past our funding goal, the, um, what, what do they call them? Stretch goals are going to be so much fun. I've got pins. I Ooh. want to make these pins so bad.
2: Exciting. <laughs> so that is awesome.
6: And I'm on Facebook, Art of Genevieve Broomall. Uh, I am also on Instagram, Jens Broom Closet, Twitter, uh, Broom Closet Studio and the like. And awesome. Twitch, Twitch.
2: Well, we will have a link to most of that, almost all of those on our show notes so that people can just click on uh, those and and find you. So,
6: Sweet.
2: we are very happy to have you uh, join us this week.
6: Thank you for having me.
2: Absolutely. Good luck with the Kickstarter.
6: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much.
2: All
1: right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment with Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
7: I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's
0: garden in the shade. Hey everybody, at Connie Crock Talk Show Moment. This is Michelle. And of course, over the last couple of years we have been ticking off marking the um half century mark for the and that's winding down because January thirtieth was the half century mark for Let It Be and that famous um famous image of of the four guys playing on the rooftop of Apple Records in London. Uh, the swan song of the group. And there was a documentary um, that went with that called Let It Be by director Michael Lindsay Hogg. And there was 55 hours of video with that, and there was audio. And that documentary has been out of print for a while. And Paul and Ringo were never that happy with it to start with. They thought it was really too negative that those days were actually happier in their memory than the Beatles myth says. Uh, And director Peter Jackson is going to rework that material into a new documentary. Um, It's being done with uh, Ringo and Paul's uh, cooperation, as well as Olivia Harrison and Yoko Ono. Um, That should be out fairly soon. And, Uh, Jackson says he was relieved to discover that the reality was very different uh, to the myth. There are a lot of outtakes uh, showing them jamming on cover tunes, some originals that didn't show up until later. And for those who want to see the original documentary, that will also be re-released after this documentary comes out at some point. Uh, So a whole new look at The Farewell of the Beatles on the Horizon. Uh, got some more material about this uh, on the blog, which is iconic And we will have more news for you next week.
1: Did you know the ESO network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret, all your favorite shows will still be available for free as always, but now you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is click on the link on the top navigation of the ESO Network website or go to patreon.com ESO Network. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards.
5: I just met this girl named Buffy. I'm Pike. Pike isn't a name. It's a fish.
1: I liked her, even though she seemed kind of flaky. But as it turns out... You have been chosen, Buffy.
7: To do what?
1: To stop the vampires.
7: Elvis talk
2: to you. And things started getting weird around here. Are
7: we having a nightmare? You threw a knife at my head.
8: And you caught it. She was the one person I could really count on. Kill him a lot. Hi. Hi. Lee Jang here. What am I doing here? I'm saving your butt. That is a bad guy. Can we go, please? The slayer is unmasked. Let's finish it. I think this relationship has potential. Hi.
7: How's it going? You're obviously having a bad hair day. If she can
8: just
6: get rid of those other guys in her life.
7: Stab him in the heart!
6: Christy Swanson.
1: I am so sure.
6: Donald Sutherland.
5: Uh, uh.
1: Paul Rubens. Uh. With Rutger Hauer and Luke Perry. Buffy you not like other girls.
5: Oh! Yes,
1: I am. Buffy, the Vampire Slayer.
5: You didn't even break a nail.
1: Directed by Fran Rubel Kazooie. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to our station one. It's now time for the main topic, and we are going to look at Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Not the TV show, though, folks. We are going even further back, and we are looking at the movie. That's right. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. And we're going to be talking all about it.
2: Yes. Spoilers. Big time. Um, Yeah. So, uh, But we've got uh, a good crew to talk all about it. Uh, For those people who might have uh, joined us for our Sopranos episode a couple weeks ago, we got the return of JD. Hello. Welcome back. Boy, you're just leaving old Bobby Nash out in the airlock ball by himself now, huh? Well, he should really
5: he you know, he should follow me back onto the station.
2: <laughs> he I you know, he may just do that. So we be careful what you wish for. Um uh but uh and then we've also got uh Will Nix back with us. Hello, hello. Howdy, sir. Howdy, Mike. So yeah, so guys, we're going back to nineteen ninety-two. Before people knew Joss Whedon's name, before uh, Buffy became the sensation that she uh, ended up becoming, this was way back in the 90s when uh, a a cheerleader, Vampire Slayer, was uh, just unheard of. Um, I'm curious to how um, each of you um, sort of first watched or heard of The movie uh we'll start with you will
4: well i think if i remember i either saw it at rome rome three cinemas back in my hometown or I i caught it right when it came out on vhs i used to work in all sorts of movie stores so yeah
2: gotcha gotcha and uh was it something that you were i mean your initial thoughts was it something that you were like oh i want to see that or Oh, it's just something to see or
4: No no, it was more like Rutger Hauer. No <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy, and just to watch him do this movie, you're just going, Please stop. Please please stop. No, no, don't do that.
2: Yeah, really. Um and uh and what about you, JD? Uh I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty
5: sure it had something to do with Christy Swanson.
2: <laughs> that uh I can understand that. Yeah, because I
5: I know I had just seen the chase before this, and yeah, uh, <clears throat> because you know, I caught this movie many years after it was out on home video, and I just saw the chase, and I saw she was in this. And I'm like, mm, yes.
1: Ah, the chase, fine entertainment with Charlie Sheen. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it, it's classic.
4: Yes, yeah, so let's let's look at her for two. for two hours. <clears throat> Charlie's also in the car. Okay. Um... <clears throat>
2: uh mike what about you
1: i actually saw it at the movie theaters i was you know interested in it i had just moved to seattle actually at this point and you know looking for things to do and it was a vampire movie and it looked kind of campy and me and some friends caught it and we were like this will never become anything we'll never hear these things buffy the vampire slayer ever again yeah
2: sure uh, I mean, I think I must have had the same uh, opinion because I didn't see it in the theater. I don't think I saw it. I don't think I saw it until after the show. Uh, I I was, I mean, you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the show because we all know the show is, you know, what it is. But oh, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, to be honest, I don't even know if we'd be talking about this movie if it wasn't for the show. Nah, I don't think we um, would. So, no, so yeah, so we'll definitely
4: no, what's funny, though, is that you have to owe the show's existence to the movie, though. I mean, it's one of those.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, so. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're, I want to get into all that. But first, uh, you know, um, as far like I said, I didn't watch it. I don't think I watched it until after I'd seen the show and I either rented it or, you know, however, I was watching movies at that time and, uh, and caught it. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and it, I think it was better than I expected. Um yeah, yeah. during the late 80s there was a slew of these sort of uh comedy vampire teen movies um Once bitten uh, like once exactly once bitten vamp um, oh,
4: my gosh, man.
2: <laughs> Bright Night, I think I would put oh. in there as well. Oh, but that was awesome. I um, awesome. And there was just, like, a quite a few of them. So this one comes out a little later towards the, t- like, very tail end of that run. And I think by that point, I was kind of over it. I'm a big vampire guy. But this was a period, the 90s were a period where the, the vampires were, like, not being treated and depicted very well, I think, on screen um they weren't if,
4: sparkling though
2: <laughs> they weren't sparkling yet no no we're not there yet um i think the we were getting books we were getting the Anne rice series which was amazing mm-hmm. but i think on screen we were just kind of getting these you know i think a lot of people thought that vampires wouldn't be especially dracula were not actually going to be scary anymore they couldn't be taken seriously so um so it's, so and so this is there this is sort of in that realm um and yeah it's written by Joss Whedon of course uh the, he is the creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and of course not knowing anything about him a, at the time yes. uh it was uh yeah i didn't have any reason to think that this was going to be something of note um now after watching it like what are your what are your thoughts like is it is it is it entertaining is it like a five star or like JD, where do you where do you
5: put this movie? Oh, it's certainly entertaining. I rewatched it again yesterday because you know it had been a few years, and I'm getting ready for the podcast, and it still holds up. It's still funny. I I couldn't help but but think of some of the mythos that had been built up during the TV show. You know, uh, when I was watching this, and uh, you know some of the you know attaching. I guess it would have been retcon, uh, you know, thinking, oh, they never mentioned the demon that lives inside of the the awakened person or whatever. But now this movie still holds up. It's still entertaining.
2: Yeah. uh, Will, what about you? What are are your thoughts now?
4: Uh, It's good camp. I mean, uh, if you like John Waters, you like that kind of stuff. It's good camp. And the movie itself, I mean, it's not a good vampire movie. It's not a good anything. It's just a good farce, (laughs) you know? And... (laughs) I, nothing, I think that we, we underappreciate a farce and it's really, what's really sad is that Whedon had, did not have that planned at all.
2: Yeah. My understanding is, is that, and knowing Joss, you know, I'm not saying that the script was going to be like perfect, but knowing Joss, I've been thinking, I'm like, man, I think they really like, he probably watched this and was really disappointed. Yeah. Well, he says <laughs> it was intended to be a lot darker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what about you? Where do you, where do you hold this movie?
1: i hold it as a bunch of fun i enjoyed seeing it but it was it wasn't anything to take seriously and i don't even even put it into tropes because of what comes later it's it's almost like the only thing it really has in common is vampires and buffy that's yeah. about it
2: uh- I think that's that's uh, that's not but that's, exact.
1: But that's my opinion, dude, and that's what you asked. <laughs> and so, you know, that's the way I felt with it. Because even you know them having you know the seer and you know every the overlooking you know, over him. You know, they had this big bad vampire. You know, played by Rucker Howard, and he was horrible. <laughs> And it was like
4: <laughs> Paul Rubens was scarier. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Paul Rubens was a better vampire than Rucker Howard ever was. And truthfully, you know, if you had the later Buffy who came, she would have taken him out in like 30 seconds.
4: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Quickie. I'm
1: yeah, <laughs> exactly. It wouldn't even been a second thought.
4: No,
5: it was a dead? You know, it was funny because at one point <clears> – <throat> At the at the dance, when when Paul Rubens gets a hold of her, or uh, you know, um, <laughs> he mentions. No, wait, no, excuse me. It was David Arquette who mentions that she's uh, meat for the master. And I thought to myself, uh, you know, after you see the master on Buffy and what yeah. happens <laughs> at, during that dance, it's like, uh, wow, Rucker, hower, he, like he was playing this as total camp, and to hear. To hear that character referred to as the master kind of made me it
4: hurt your feelings a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I had well, to. I would just look at it as it was a master. Huh?
2: He's not the master. He's a master.
4: He's like, well, he's not even a master. He's over there getting collecting a
2: check because his name's Dower. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 not. Recker Hauer at his best, for sure. Oh, um, definitely yeah, not. Yeah, yeah.
1: And to think and, this and vampire
2: destroyed all
1: these other uh, vampires. Yeah,
2: he, he,
4: he's, he's, yeah, he's just horrible. Ugh.
2: And it's unfortunate because I think everybody like, okay, so I want to get to it. Like, the cast on this, especially it's, looking it's back on is amazing. Like, swank? Every Swank? Every, like, other second you're looking at, you're like, oh my god, there's, like, Ben there's Affleck. Ben A- ben Affleck. <laughs> it's like, Oh, my God. Seth Oz is in it. Yeah. Ricky Lake. I was like... Ricky
4: Lake. I I didn't realize that until today.
2: (laughs) Ricky Lake. (laughs) Wait, Ricky Lake. Um, She's the waitress. Yeah, she's the waitress. I was like... I looked at her. I'm like, she looks familiar. And I'm like, oh. Wow. That's amazing. Wow, okay. Uh, Ben Affleck uh, was
4: the... Affleck's the opposing basketball player, Seth the Random Vampire. It was just they're
2: not even like in the credits. So when you watch the credits, you have no no, idea.
4: I I had to laugh when
5: I saw David Arquette in the credits because I'm like, Oh wow, this is like pre scream, pre fame, you know. He was just you know, he was
4: Well he was the he was always the doofus and everything up until this pretty much this movie. He I mean he was still the doofus in this, but he moves on to play, you know, doofy and in those other kind of characters, but he's not it's it's not really a bad film. For oh, him. No, it it this it
5: definitely is... laid the groundwork for Deputy Dewey later. Oh, Dewey, sorry, Dewey. <laughs> I
4: was having a
2: day, man. I just think that's our cat, really. Um yeah. <laughs> I I, th- I look, he doesn't have a huge range. Um, <laughs> so he's only going to go so he far. He doesn't have but the
5: I... range that his siblings have.
2: I think when I was watching this too, and obviously I I think I would have thought this anyway, you know, obviously looking back at the show and what they were able to do is one thing, but even watching this, I'm like, man, there is some potential here. Like there is, but it's like, it's just directed wrong. Like you had mentioned, like, like it's camp, but the true, like great thing about camp when it's done well, is that the. Actors are all treating it seriously. Right. Like, that's the other like, thing. Like, yeah. Like Howard doesn't do a good job at all. But Sutherland is amazing in this movie. Oh, he's awesome. He was a classic. He's, great he's classic him.
4: Yeah, he's classic him.
2: Yeah, he's he's totally invested in this, uh, despite how insane it is. And and yet he just doesn't waver at all. He adds like some weight to his scene. You know,
5: when he got taken out Two thirds of the yeah. way through the movie, yeah. which I, I remembered he died, but I thought he died a lot closer to the end of it. I did too. I was, <laughs> I, did. I was kind of shocked because I'm like, oh, you know, in the long run, he actually kind of got punked, and that's unfortunate.
2: Yeah, yeah. And she can't do a thing.
8: Mm-mm. No.
2: <laughs> um. She now got this mesmerized. is this is the, this is a Luke Perry before 90210. Yeah, no, during? it's during. Oh, it's during. Okay, so yeah, so right away, so he's playing like kind of it's not quite nerdy in the beginning. No, I don't goth. know. They, he's going goth. He's just, yeah, he's doing well. He's doing like crazy. I don't know, drunk outcast or there something. There we go. There we go. Drunk is, yeah.
1: No, he was not wearing
2: eyeshadow. So I forgot. I, forgot, I forgot. Well, the reason I didn't know if this was during is because he didn't have the sideburns yet. No. And I'm like, man, he doesn't. Once 90210 starts, he has those sideburns, and he still has them when he's on Riverdale today. Like, he hasn't lost those sideburns,
4: and they're gone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and he shaves it like, yeah, it's like, whoa, he's almost emo, you know, <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. But yeah, you do see where uh, you know uh, Luke and uh, and Arquette are playing. Uh, Perry and Arquette are playing like these like total losers. Um, and I don't think the movie, and this is probably, you know, I'll, I'll give, you know, uh, not that Joss is totally brilliant. Uh, this is this is early Whedon, and I will say that like the, the characters could have used a little bit more depth. Both both. But Buff this is not Whedon Hedon.
4: writing, you know, the, the finale to Roseanne.
2: Right, right. Both, both. Oliver, what's his name? Pike, they call him. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but both Buffy and Pike could have used a little bit more a little bit more depth because when we sweep see Buffy switch over like I really don't like her in the beginning, but then like there's a switch happens, and it's really sudden where all of a sudden it's like, oh, she 's not so bad,
5: yeah, she goes so, from vapid to super serious uh
2: real
4: quick real it's like okay, with this power also comes latent.
2: IQ. Wait <laughs> like, like all of a sudden she's like, you know, her I'm smart. It really it seems like her hair changes and everything. Yes.
1: It's almost like she's two different people.
2: Dun dun dun. dun, dun. dun. But she's not. Um yeah. and and she yeah, she's really not supposed but to. But this movie is also groundbreaking in
4: the whole concept of the female superhero. Even if it's in comedy.
2: I I think I think it is. I think that there's like um I'm also you know, really aware that throughout the late seventies eighties into like today you have the the horror movies, especially the slasher movies, where you have what the they call the final girl, right yep, where it's always like a girl that is survives at the end and takes out somehow the bad guy um but this is moving her like that right up to the forefront as a as an action hero which. I, I'm not saying it hadn't been done, but it certainly hadn't been done to this extent, and,
4: um, and not on a large scale. I mean, we had Supergirl before. I mean, we, we can go back to that, but that was just sure. a knockoff on Superman. If you really want to you know, get into that, movie. But you, no, absolutely. Did, you was, had
1: Wonder, was, Wonder was, Woman was really on TV. Really cool.
4: You had Wonder Woman on TV,
1: yeah. yeah. And you also had, of course, Electro Woman or Girl. Duh,
4: duh. I mean, yeah, but also sometimes you saw in those that the, the female heroes became the you know the the victims and needed help, but from you know. If you think especially about Wonder Woman in the seventies, that's true. She didn't up in trouble, and he had to save her. And...
2: and I think, for the most part, uh, Christy she does doesn't... a great job as a lead. Um, yeah, she's not like perfect, perfect, but she's she's pretty good.
4: She didn't have the range to go. I mean, you know her her acting. She's the goofy comic. You know, she comedian, means far. doesn't need range. <laughs> 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 well wow. welcome to the pig alert uh oink, 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 oink.
1: Not, she, uh all comments please address them to ESO
4: <laughs> yeah we're gonna stick them all
1: in the airlock which is yeah. not usually
5: that guy but come on now Christy Swanson so
4: <laughs> you're not saying only her talents got her this job um well
5: I'm sure she's talented I mean she was in a couple
4: episodes <laughs> of shows here and there that I've seen but um, Everybody go to IMD quick and look up Christy Swanson's career before you make
2: comments. Yeah, I think this now, unless I'm mistaken, I haven't looked at her old D- IMDb, but this is probably her biggest role.
4: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I IMDb her right now. I The the, the career, of Christy Swanson. Yeah, you
5: know, she was in a TV show I was watching a couple years ago, but honest to God, no, actually, I think it was more like last year that I liked the show. Uh, she plays a slightly recurring part. Uh, damned if I can remember what it's called. Um, Hey, she's been in some movies recently, folks. but yeah, I mean, she's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, this, this definitely wasn't, you know, the, the, this was just, this was early in her career. And it was at a time where, um, she also didn't have a lot of competition for, um, playing these kind of big roles. Like I, I, it, it's one of she those was in hot
4: shots earlier that year.
5: Uh,
2: Oh, wow. Oh, wow.
5: Yeah. Never seen that.
2: Um, And then she was in Mannequin 2. Now he's going to add it to his. No, buddy. No,
4: don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wait, wait. Wait, Hot Shots? Do it. Do it. Do
2: it. I, I do wonder. Yeah, yeah. Hotshot's um, not Mannequin um, 2. Yeah, do not
4: watch Mannequin uh,
5: 2. <laughs> I had no intention of it. I didn't know there was a Mannequin 2 until you mentioned it. Um, <laughs> we all like to forget. But it's, uh, it's funny because when I was watching this, I was actually wondering to myself, I wonder which other actresses were up for the part of Buffy before she got the role. I, I mean, I don't know, but I was I was curious.
2: Yeah, I don't I haven't I've, heard I you know, I've never heard of being heard. like it was I did, a, I did a little bit of research uh with this but I I didn't see anything that suggested there was anybody else. So, I'm sure they went through the the process, but who knows. Um uh so like I said she's solid enough and I think she's good and like she's still um she's active on the convention circuit. She's great. Uh I've uh I've not actually met her, but I've seen her. Like I've been uh like at a table near her and all that kind of stuff, and she's great. She she really appreciates this. Uh she's not one of those people that like calls calls herself like the real Buffy. Like, you know, like like you know, but she but she understands, I think, um uh that where this sort of lays in the in the sort of mythos of Buffy and the fact that it is um it is there now before we go on i want there's one more cast member that we have to mention which of course is paul rubens <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh god oh, otherwise brilliant he in this movie. oh he was I absolutely think, brilliant in
5: this
2: movie i i you know it's weird the first time i saw her when i was looking back on it i was like thinking wow paul rubens really kind of steals the show in this movie he really does but then when i was watching it this weekend i was like
4: You also have to look at the time period and what he just got kicked off of that weekend.
2: Maybe not as much as I thought, but he's still, like, I think at the time, this was, I mean, he was pretty much just labeled as Pee Wee, and that was it. He wasn't doing uh,
4: a lot of other... also post his episode at the movie theater. Sure. Yeah, Um,
1: this was was his big comeback. It was his
4: comeback movie, yeah. This movie was released
5: the same year that he had the cameo in Batman Returns. Yeah, as a...
1: Uh, As the penguin's father.
5: Yep. Yeah, thank you. And and in that yeah. movie, you know, nobody was expecting it. He was just kind of there, and people were like, oh my god, Pee-wee Herman. And then you watch him in this, and God, he's nearly unrecognizable. Um, I mean, the the yeah, makeup really not, like, really hid him, and he, yeah, he really did. He stole the show. I mean, his and he, his and he's not Pee-wee. No, oh no. Uh, and, yeah, and he never
4: even references that aspect of
5: him.
1: Right. Nope, not at all. But he does have the best death scene.
5: Oh my gosh! Uh, it goes on for like five minutes. In fact, um, in the after credits. In too. fact, you know what? <laughs> yeah, when I was watching it yesterday, um, it was the first time I think I ever let it go during the credits. And um, yeah, I, he's still dying. <laughs> I didn't realize that he had a tag scene during the credits, and yeah, he flops yeah. over and
2: dies. I, again. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but he's still dying right now. Like, oh, it's,
5: cool.
2: like it's, it's it's like 27 years later and he's still done. That's funny. He's still in that hallway
5: too. He's still in that <laughs> hallway.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously it wasn't successful enough to do the, uh, to do a, a a sequel or anything like that. It kind of got buried and forgotten. Just like uh, I mean, Whedon's
4: work, and somebody comes along and finds it and turns them into a cult. Item. Well,
2: well, and then and then I think it was Joss that uh, said, "You know what? I, I he just had some ties to this that he had an idea, you know, to bring it to um, at the time it was before it was the CW. It was I it was think the WB, the, yeah, the WB channel, and they were <laughs> looking for content of stuff they already owned. Um, so, uh, so yeah, he, he they managed to do that, and of course. He did it, you know. Obviously, uh, history prevails; it is the right way. But it is interesting because um, you could almost see it as a that first season as a reboot of this. But yet, he you makes the connections the pilot that the events from the movie happen, like it's the, it's in continuity.
1: Well, kind well, of, kind of, sort of.
2: It's in the series. Well, when I finished
5: watching this movie yesterday, I immediately turned on the pilot for the TV show, uh, because I did remember that they had made reference to it. And I mean, it, it's cool that they preserve that without, without you actually Adding having all the to from see it. the movie. Yeah. Like.
4: Well, well, in the third season, the third season, they they have a big flashback to her, when her watcher first approached her and it wasn't Giles, who was her first watcher. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, exactly. and
2: her, her mom is completely different.
1: Oh, her oh, mom's yeah. completely oh, but also remember they de-aged her for the TV series too. Yes,
4: they did. They made her yeah, sixteen instead of or fifteen instead of. Because
1: um, they made her a sophomore in high school. High school
4: instead of a senior.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, there's, a great, there's, there's a great, a great little
4: omnibus out there if you want that puts in the role. You know, one of those omnibuses out there that you can catch pick up on, and it's in, right in between shows both. Well,
2: I do know that there's also uh, when Dark Horse had the license for the the, mm. the car, comic. I know that they did an adaptation of the movie. Yeah. Which fit in continuity with the tv show oh really huh. uh, so uh so that was uh pretty yeah i think you can get it in trade form now it's um, called the origin yeah yeah uh yeah that's right that's right well um i am
5: glad that so, they rewrote her mother for the tv show because man yes her mother in the in the in the like few minutes she's on the screen and
4: well, neither is the father, uh, though. I mean, he's they're just two uh, yuppies heading out the door and moving on with their life and don't care about what they're doing. With well, yeah,
5: she even makes a joke that, that, that she's not sure that, uh, that they even know her name, so.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And does she have a – I couldn't remember. Does she have a sister in the movie? No, 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 no. no,
4: right?
1: no and well, she also didn't for the first couple seasons of the, the series either. Yeah.
2: Well, she did. She just didn't realize. She Actually, did. no, um, she did
4: not have a sister. Stop. She,
2: and, well, in this, <laughs> I didn't know if it was like a Happy Days thing where. You well, know, and in this where, movie,
5: they don't even mention her last name. We So I don't even. I, I don't even think the character had a last name in the movie. I it was
2: just,
1: it was just Buffy. Yeah, it's yeah, Buffy. I don't.
2: I don't know. There, there's that scene where Stephen Root is talking to her, which he may refer to her as. their we'll use the last name. Well, but, she is um,
1: credited as Buffy Summers. So,
2: to be honest, I was I was just uh, marveling. I love Stephen Root too. I'm a big fan of his. Oh
1: yeah, one
5: of his, one of his
4: early roles.
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah. He looked
5: so young. I was amused when he was on the screen because I, the last time I had seen this. Um, uh, I never made the connection between Milton and him. You know, I mean, I've seen him in lots of stuff since, but, but I was amused at the way oh, he right. played the high school principal because he was very uh, Mister Belding about it.
1: Yes, That's oh, yeah. good trying to be the buddy principal. Yeah, yeah. I, I
4: appreciate hey, hey, that. The basketball coach, you know, guys, remember, you're not hurting me; you're hurting yourself.
5: God, that was terrible. I wanted to punch that guy.
4: I mean, the whole movie had that kind of – it's kind of interesting. You could say it's not even mocking right now. it's, It's how it's kind of kept itself. If you had cell phones, that movie could have been made last week.
1: And it's, it was funny, you know, all these students were disappearing and
2: dying. Right. And
1: all the uh, kids in school were like, eh, so what? Just you know? like oh, yeah, that. That's,
2: that's a, that's something that happens on the TV show too, though. They all just ignore it. I mean, mm-hmm. they,
4: it's like they're too accustomed to the violence in their schools already. I mean, well,
2: and plus, I mean, we're talking about much bigger schools. I mean, like, look, if they went to oh, high yeah. school with me, I mean, we only had a hundred kids in our class. So yeah, they went, like, we, we would have noticed if somebody was missing. Yeah. But when you've got, like, 600 people in your class. Yeah. Which I'm sure every class, every high school does in California. um, The – so, okay. So getting to the show and the influence of the movie on the show, I was surprised at how much did carry over. Um, The opening
4: tagline. They don't
2: specifically, like, call it what they do in the show. Like, for example – Merrick is for all intents and purposes, he's a watcher. Yeah. Oh, uh yeah. but they don't they don't call him that, but he really yeah, is. They do. I mean, in, in the opening sequence, I'm her watcher. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. Um so but I don't think that's a that a title, right? It's no, sort of just like is, like yeah. when you, like calling um uh Rutger Howard's character Lothos the man like he's not the master, like not like he is in the show. Like like there's the master and the and the watchers uh, obviously, it's not a group. It's just one dude that apparently just—I couldn't understand. Like, did he, does he just reincarnate?
5: Yeah, he, no? I think
4: they all reincarnate because she, she even you know, had her playing the same. Throughout, yeah, throughout he said time. every
5: time he's every time he's reborn, he he he's reborn to play the same part. And he said this is one of the first times um where he really—I don't know—it was something to the effect of that he was really proud of it um because she even makes a joke she's like <clears throat> oh you're born as like a homeless guy every time
2: <laughs> right the uh so the idea though that she has a uh advisor like that is in there of course um there are i think you can say that lothos is a rough draft of the master in a lot of ways uh, um i mean obviously he's he's and a uh, um, the, the idea of, uh, Buffy's powers are, she's got enhanced strength. Um, the, the, um, the whole cramping thing isn't in the show though. Right. Mm, no. No. Okay, no. I did feel so.
4: one coming. That's the all dreams are was, though. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah the, you're are. right. The, the first
2: two seasons. Yeah. 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 The dreams are, you're right. But the cramping, I was like, yeah, I'd forgotten all about that. Watching the movie. <laughs> and,
1: and they story. also didn't have anything about the birthmark
4: no there's no birthmark yeah that's gone no that's gone
2: completely well and truthfully i was actually
5: she's always the same person because i mean on the tv show we saw multiple watchers and they didn't have sarah michelle gellar pretending to be all of those characters no no, right right it's not reincarnation
2: and and to your point they i mean they have the they a lot the the um the slayers are all diverse right like they're they all look different and they well, they can happen. Anywhere, I was going to so. say,
5: yeah, they can be pulled from anywhere. Um, yeah. So I
2: always thought that, and I don't know if this is explicitly said on the show, but I always figured that, those, the, that the Slayers were born in an area that needed a Slayer. Like, for example, um, Sunnydale needs uh, – has the Rift, right? Has the oh, – The, no, hell the, show. the yeah,
4: Hellmouth. The Hellmouth, right. Yeah, but the thing is also in the show, though, that The slayers have been in different parts because uh, Spike talked about them traveling and following him. You know, they move. They move where they think vampires are. I don't know if they're just born there.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. Because I thought maybe they would like in other areas, but yeah, well, I mean they don't go into huge detail. But then, so um, here's a. Uh, and but unfortunately, you know, well they don't. The, this movie doesn't have the budget, so uh, we don't get cool vampire deaths. Uh, which is unfortunate because uh, I, I do miss the dusting. That was another uh, awesome. thing that I kept, again,
5: pulling some of the mythos built in the TV show, watching this. I'm like, this is just not the same. I mean, one of them, she does kill, and you see a little bit of like steam or something. But, yeah, but
4: Christy Swanson can handle a bigger steak.
5: Did
4: uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just uh, see those
5: things? Uh, yeah, well, not so In the though, movie.
4: Not, uh, other that, no, no, but I mean, in the movie, that's, I mean, it's like because compared to what Buffy's always walking around with you kind of feel bad. Um
5: I was amused when she made the ruler uh into the stake <laughs> and killed Paul
4: Rubens <laughs> with
5: it. That was funny.
4: <laughs> uh yeah, to David Arquette?
5: Um uh no, she stabs uh I think she's got a yeah, it's got a ruler or something. No, cuz Luke Perry Oh, she kills him with the David ruler. Arquette. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Luke- Yes, right. The um, things they were
1: I funny. loved all the different the different stakes that Pike was making, like including a broom, <laughs> a you know ice yeah. scraper. You know, it was but, just like.
4: Well, it's funny as you're watching this and you see like the Pike character being split into Angel and and into uh,
2: Spike.
5: Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well,
2: well, yeah, and a little bit of Xander too. Yeah, I think
5: oh, a little bit. He he was he was a little bit the basis for Xander. Um, I I actually kind of wish um that you know at the time that Buffy was on yeah they got fan feedback and stuff but the world wasn't as crazy about tie-ins and callbacks to previous things as they are now and I can't help but think that uh 10 years later that maybe they would have tried to get Pike on as a cameo on the show um you know and gotten you know gotten uh
4: Uh, oh they'd have definitely went and found the actors yeah to play the part yeah like
5: it kind of sucks that christy swanson never came on to play you know even a a different role on the show (laughs) right right
4: yeah that that didn't really take place until you get to smallville yeah where you turn that you know smallville is nothing but an homage to the first super you know first couple superman movies well
5: and the cw shows have continued that in spades oh of course uh, yeah Look
2: look at the flash yes the uh, I think the biggest surprise to me that uh, was influential that that remains from this movie to the TV show is the fact that Joss really has a thing for prom dresses and leather jackets.
4: Oh, definitely! Because I mean, uh, you talk about when, wearing she puts
2: that- on, when she puts on the leather jacket in this movie, I'm like,
4: "Holy crap!"
2: Yeah, I forgot they did that in this
5: movie, so I, I thought, "Oh wow, mm-hmm. that was actually history repeating itself on the show." I had completely, yeah. completely forgotten about that. And she wears
4: that outfit a lot, too. It's yeah like several does. several dances that something bad happens to her. She can't go to prom.
2: <laughs> it is really like a staple. I'm like, well, Joss says something for leather and prom dresses. I think. There
4: you go, brother. Leather
2: and lace. Here he comes. Maybe. Um, okay, so anything else from this movie? Oh, I have to mention uh, the soundtrack. Yeah, I actually had forgotten how, like, good the soundtrack is. Uh, it I mean, it wasn't
4: your typical soundtrack. 90s stuff. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it, it was definitely college radio for the time. Mm,
2: but, exactly. I mean, it's, look, it's, it's like, at first it starts, and, you know, it's it's whatever, CNC Music Factory, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be... But then, you know, we've got Susanna Hoffs, Matthew Sweet, uh, The Divinals, mm-hmm. uh, Mary's Danish, The Cult. Like, I'm like, these are, like, I was like, this is the, like, I have to get this soundtrack now. Yeah so uh i did uh Which I is did carry over uh, to the show even, even Pantera is in this. I'm like, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I'm a like how did that happen? So I might have to get the soundtrack i, I didn't remember the soundtrack being as good as this, but... um anything else that uh you can mention or you want to mention from this this that uh, either made it to the series or didn't, or was there anything in this movie that you wish had been part of?
4: Hmm. I wish they brought Paul Rubens in. honestly. I You know, that character was pretty entertaining. They didn't really have that kind of toady on the show that did really well.
1: Mm-mm. Well, they tried a couple times.
4: They tried it. It just didn't really work out.
1: No, it didn't. They didn't have the same chemistry. No. With it. And, you know, I did, you know, I love, you know, Giles more than I'd like. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. So, and it's more of a true mentor and student than we got in the movie but they had to rush it too
4: and that also i mean just the fact that she's not she doesn't change completely in the film she's you know in the movie she becomes smarter as the movie goes along in the series buffy's never considered stupid she's just considered out of touch or not caring i really appreciate that you know keeping that balance
2: yeah, I think if they were to do the movie or if they were to do the show, like if they do reboot it, which they probably will at some They're point. They're
4: talking about it for next year, yeah.
2: Yeah, they've talked about it for the last of They need years. to stop. Um, Just stop. Leave it so,
4: alone.
2: Uh, <laughs> the, uh, but I think they would make Buffy uh, more a difficult character in the beginning because, I mean, by the time the show starts, we're pretty much like digging her. She doesn't have any of that Valley Girl no cheerleader attitude. 'Cause that's all Cordelia. Yep. So, well yeah,
1: Cordelia was more of the shallow one, but you still had, you know, Buffy still like talking, Oh my God and stuff
2: in the yeah, first yeah, but season. Well, the attitude, And and like, she didn't like I didn't watch her and get turned off like I am with a lot of the, the Valley Girl stuff.
5: Well, and really in this movie She could be Valley Girl, and, but she hit it well. In this movie, Hillary Swank was pretty much playing uh uh Prisma Cup. Carp- yeah. I mean she yeah. she really <laughs> I mean, wow! Does she play a moron well?
1: Um, <laughs> but they're
5: seniors. Oh God!
1: Um, I, I invited them. Come I invited
4: them, but they're seniors. But they're seniors. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, there's there's not much from that movie I want brought over to the show, other than the fact that there was a great character in Buffy, and you have these core characters. Because I, I as a true fan, someone who watches the show at least twice a year. If not more, I, I'm just so thankful that it led to something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that this movie did that yeah. this movie existed because it. Without it, we wouldn't have the show.
4: We wouldn't have had the show. We wouldn't have anything close to the show.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, because I can remember, like, I wasn't interested in the movie, but when I heard reminisc rumblings of the show, I read an up. interview yeah. with Joss, and I was like, I like the interview sold me. I was like, I need to check this out. So I watched it from the first episode and the, the pilot, I was like, this is really good. And, and it, he just got better, though. Yeah, it really did just get better. And it really although, got
5: better until the fourth season where it went off, off the rails. And then the fifth season <laughs> came back and Uh-oh. they were Uh-oh. back. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Going.
1: There's going to be fighting. Okay. Listen,
5: the
4: Adam storyline and setting up all that was relevant as a freshman in college. I can tell you some of those things happened. All right, bro? Uh, happened, man. Yeah,
5: that's true. But Riley Finn, oh, God, punch
4: that guy in the face.
5: Um yeah but he got yeah
4: okay. I, I, uh, he got ditched for spike I mean come on, great he needed that character build, I
5: know you know what I just feel like the show was back on track with the fifth season, the fourth season really just Dawn?
4: potential. Uh, no on track. no
5: that <laughs> no, it was the spirit of the show i i didn't feel I, agree. I, no, I, 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 mean, I I felt like the fourth season was was trying too hard um, but
1: when they killed Buffy's mom. That was awful.
4: The pinnacle of the show. That was tonight. traumatic yeah. because and, – and I lost my dad, and it, it was the same thing. It was just, I, mm. You know,
5: <laughs> that one still sits with me because she didn't have a supernatural death. It wasn't violent. It was
4: completely realistic. That, one,
1: that was exactly – That's why it's so
4: scary. That's why it's so scary. It, it yeah. really – It's so real. It's the, it's the closest I've seen to t- on television death to actual death.
1: Hmm. Exactly. You no, know, there was no. She died. She died naturally. She didn't die by a vampire or a demon or something yeah, else. Yeah, there was no.
4: It was a natural death, but we watched it. I mean, it was just. Hmm.
1: It wasn't that she got caught in a battle and by accident, Faith, you know, hit her with a, a stake or something by nope. accident. No, and and, and
4: and well, there was also no chance to save her.
1: Right. No. I was going to say
5: dead. That's the thing is Buffy beat herself up, but um. That's what made it so realistic.
4: It's like, okay, they've died and there's nothing to do, and, and,
5: and with and, all
1: these powers and magic,
4: there's yeah. nothing. Yeah, even in reality. Well, and the great thing was so on
1: the show,
5: there wasn't a lot of the setup for it. It really just happened. It's not like, yeah. it's not like they hinted at it and let it happen. Well, they were hinting
4: at it, but, but but they all made it better. It's like, and it's all better. And um, right.
5: Um, yeah, but I mean, it wasn't like a giant build up, and then when she was done, could... it was final she was gone
2: sure sure all right so that's the show we're talking (laughs) about the movie we're talking about the movie um i guess the only other thing that i wanted to bring up when i was watching it that i thought of is like this was also not only i mean it's a vampire movie and all that kind of stuff but it's also like the like before all the big like Huge craze of cheerleader movies that we get after.
4: Yeah, before it really, you, you can see we're bringing on, and some of those kind of stole
2: a yeah, little bit I from think, film. Yeah, I think before this, I think cheerleader characters were pretty much like bad characters on, like, depicted. Or the goody two really? Whenever you saw them on TV or movies, they're always like vacuous. They're, 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 that you can't take them seriously. They're just not great characters that you want to spend time with. But this one kind of, Flips that, and then you get these. Like shortly after this, you get these cheerleader movies where it's all about them, and and they're like the heroes of the story.
1: Right. but You got that that Buffy was that way until a quarter way into the movie. Yep. And some yeah. of her, her friends never left that scene.
2: Hillary. Well, she Swank. was also,
4: yeah. Right. Exactly. Hillary yeah. Swank. <laughs>
2: So, uh, so very interesting. I think in its own way, I mean, I don't want to give it too much credit for starting all that stuff, but I, I, it's hard, you know, it's part of the wave, right? You can just see it.
4: Well, it's kind of like going back and, you know, talking about blade. I mean,
2: it's also, yeah, it's, it's, it's when, uh, it's, I think it's also when the teen comedies were transitioning because like, uh, they used to be, you know, in the 80s, (laughs) in the early 80s, they were like the sex romps. And then John Hughes came around and made them uh, interesting. And, melodramas. Yeah. And, and me- yeah, actually, melodramas. Good point. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they got, like, weird. Like, they all had to have, like, a weird thing happen. Like, the vampire movies I already mentioned are, like, weird science. Or it was always, like, teenagers, but then something weird on top of
4: but, it. You know, like, for a movie that was, you know, about, like, sex and stuff, it really is very tame.
2: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. you have
4: the one makeout scene at the end, really, that you know where you, you know a couple's having sex, but there's nothing. There's not really any other sexuality other than just stupidity.
2: Yeah, and and I of love that line. That he raped her too. Like that's like, and what? the car yeah, at
4: the end, yeah. She's like, "Oh, Johnny," and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, "I can't believe I let you do those things to me."
2: I was like, "Oh, jeez!" Like that's but, so wrong. But
1: as Buffy was going past the car, yeah, he was like, "Boy, that didn't take much time."
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She should have beat the shit out of him.
1: <laughs> Most likely.
2: Yes, I agree. <laughs> on the show, right. you know, she she always beat up an ex, you know, an, an ex-boyfriend. Boyfriend. Yes, that's true. Um, yeah. So if Pike had appeared on the show, he would have just got beat up.
4: Well, there's also no sexuality, really, other than, I mean, there's no, there's no representation much in this film. For, you know, where it's supposed to be set. Even yeah. if for the time period. I mean, just nobody in the show.
2: Right, and you know, for I mean, apart from the fact that she's valley girlish, it doesn't, it does, it doesn't really feel Californian. Yeah, exactly. That's what I
4: was my point. There's no diversity at all. Yeah, there's nothing. Right. I mean, one Asian guy, one Asian vampire. I mean,
2: yeah, that's yeah. There's yeah. <laughs> not really, uh, yeah. So uh all right, so I think that we've uh we've said about all there is to say about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mercy, mercy. Um so I'm gonna go around and we can you can give it a rating as well as whether or not like, you know, people should if they you know obviously we've spoiled it if they're listening, but how like how relevant it is to either the the series or anything else for that matter. Because
1: so, 'cause we're spoiling a twenty seven year old movie. That's really? right.
2: So yeah. we are <laughs> We, you know, so we are, um, yeah, I'm going to start with JD. Uh, I will give it
5: three and a half stakes to the heart. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not the TV show, but it's, you can see the basis for it. And it's entertaining. And I think it still holds up.
2: Will?
4: All right, I'll say two and a half stars here, um, only because of Paul Rubens. You need to see Paul Rubens, you know, be that guy. And you also you also need to see Rutger Hauer overact almost to the Chattanoirian level.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, not, yeah. Still not as not bad good. as Nick Nolte
5: in the a- 2003 Hulk movie.
2: <laughs> All right,
1: Mike. I'm going to give it a solid three. It's fun to watch, but, you know, like I said earlier, it's. It's interesting to see for some of the Buffy lore, but Paul Rubens makes the movie for me, and That's even not the, yeah, I know it isn't <laughs> enough, even the scene when he's attacking Pike in the van, yeah, which is pretty classic, and when he loses his arm it's just it's like awesome. Uh, uh, uh and then, i, and I love then when he he confronts Rucker howard about it he took my r and he says i don't see how you ever survived the middle ages you know
4: yeah i mean just the the amount of incongruity i mean historically everything I, like these time periods and those outfits at the beginning are so funny when mm-hmm. you see her going through the different ages and i was once a slave girl
1: mm-hmm. I, remember <laughs> yeah. like, I remember that
2: i remember that yeah, it was just like, oh, God. Yeah, I some do of, think, uh, a lot of the
1: text is cringeworthy.
2: Yes. Yeah, I do think, though, that, uh, yeah, with Buffy and uh, and Ruben's character, I do think it's got my favorite exchange in the movie, though. It's when he says, you know, I'm oh a God, I can do anything. And she says, oh, yeah, clap. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good line. So, <laughs> I, I, I did do that. I'm like, so the, I think. And so, yeah. Well, I was gonna actually. I was thinking while I was watching this, I'm like, man, I'm gonna have to rate this like a two, two and a half, really, if I'm honest. Uh, But here goes because of the um, relevance to the show, and I think uh, on a on a behind the scenes level to see the, like an early draft of Buffy, to see Joss's early work, even though it's not interpreted as well as he would have you know, wanted, I still think it's interesting to see that Joss is, like there's little bits of Joss that you can see in here that he would really um, exploit later. So I do think from that is more, that makes it a three. So it's not a huge jump. It goes from a two and a half to three for me because of that, but it. So I would say uh, I I'd land it
4: there. A study in a study in Whedon.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, very cool. Well, um, thanks everybody for joining us, and uh, yeah, we will be right back with the uh, ESO Network Connoisseur.
7: Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the new Carmen San Diego Netflix show. So Netflix released a Carmen San Diego show for a new era. I loved the old live action show on PBS, where you got to see young gumshoes trying to catch Carmen San Diego, while also learning about all different places around the world and their landmarks. Also, the theme by acapella was fantastic. I can still hear it in my head. I also grew up with the old three-and-a-half floppy disk game for my PC, so I was thrilled when I heard they were making a new show for Netflix since I have such fond memories of the old one. This show is very different. We get a full backstory on Carmen Sandiego, and she is the hero of the story, where in the original she was shrouded in mystery and was the thief taking you all around the world. In her backstory, she's an orphan left on an island where Vile teaches people how to be super thieves. She grows up learning how to be a master thief, but then isn't allowed to graduate and learns that Vile is evil and runs away to be the Robin Hood of the story and steal back all the stuff that they're stealing while also thwarting their evil plans because she was lied to thinking that it was just fun to steal stuff, not evil, that they were going to kill people and everything. It's really interesting, but also strange, since Carmen San Diego is now a teenager, along with her friends helping her, while all the gumshoes are adults being made to look like fools. I will say, I was sad when I did find out that the theme song was not done by acapella. That was probably my most heartbreaking part of this show. It was a really fun watch, though. If you have a kid, let them watch it. They'll learn all about the world, so it's still educational there, which is good, I think, because if they took away the educational part of Carmen Sandiego, why even make it? Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out.
1: For the week of February 4th, 2019, it's the ESO Network Con Report. Con!
2: Well, you can find uh, some ESO folks uh, throughout the country, actually, uh, starting next week, February 15th through the 17th. Uh, Felicity, a.k.a. the mayor of Chickentown from the Flopcast, will be attending Gallifrey One, the Doctor, the huge Doctor Who convention uh, in Los Angeles, California. And then and here, that same weekend, on the East Coast is a uh, tiki weekend called Hale. It's a first ever uh, Tiki weekend in Atlanta. It's on Friday and Saturday, so that would be the 15th and the 16th uh, in Atlanta. So Both coasts are represented with conventions there. Those are the only two scheduled for February. And then in March, we have from the 1st to the 3rd is MarsCon. That is in Bloomington, Minnesota. Uh, A member of the Flopcast, Cornflake, will be there. And you'll definitely have to check out, if you're going to that show, you need to check out her aquatic aerobics. Uh, That is something that everybody needs to see, uh, including me. Someday, someday I will see that. Uh, And then also in March uh, 9th through the 10th is one of our favorite shows of the year, the SC Comic-Con that is in Greenville, South Carolina. Mike and I will be there. We'll be at separate tables because, you know, we don't really like to hang out together when we're out and about uh, just on the show. Uh, We don't even record in the same room, actually. Uh, But yes, we will be at different tables. Uh Uh-uh, no way. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Mike will be at the Earth Station 1 and ESO network table, and uh, I will be at the uh, New Legend table uh, representing Tiki Zombie with artist Peter Cutler. And then last but certainly not least, March 22nd through the 25th is a brand-new convention. It's Con. It is in East Ridge, Tennessee. That is near Chattanooga. It is a new show. This is a first-timer as well. Uh, I will be there as a guest uh, along with artist Peter Cutler. And uh, this is an exciting science fiction convention convention and you can find out all more details about these shows if you click on uh, the show notes or go to uh, esonetwork.com and uh, click on the links and you can find out all the details so please check out these shows and more if you've got some that you want us to uh, promote or participate in or you just want to rant and rave about please reach out to us because we love talking about conventions
1: That's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. JD, you made it through another one, my friend. I did.
5: Thank you for having me back.
1: Hey, you know, two episodes in less than a month. This is getting... It must be the moons are aligning or something like that.
2: I'll say I think you've got to put better locks on the, on the airlock.
5: That's not appreciated one bit. <laughs> um. um I, I, I hate when you guys get maintenance done on those. It's just it's it's rude.
1: Well, you know, we can do those we're going to put a, you know, laser lock on it or something or just put a ring doorbell, you know, those are hard enough to figure out.
5: <laughs> uh yeah, me me and Bobby can team up to uh to uh <laughs> in- exactly.
1: Exactly. I see that not happening, so it's okay.
5: <laughs> You're not wrong.
1: No. Thank you so much, though. Anything you got to shout out about, sir?
5: Um, no. Uh, I, I was curious if you guys are <laughs> uh, full up for the uh, Captain Marvel episode, but, you know. We it's... are
1: beyond capacity for that one.
5: All right. Well, I hope people cancel. So, um, <laughs> but no wow wishing (laughs) ill will
2: on people i hope the internet crashes your show never
5: makes no i mean boy i hope somebody gets busy and you know some spots open up so but uh yeah no it's been good being on the show thanks again
1: no problem and will
4: hey man check us out listen for me on the geeky side at the geeky side you can find us
1: that is awesome it's always fun to uh check out his show i actually listened to a few episodes since he's been on
4: you poor thing
1: (laughs) and i asked you back even this is amazing
4: i know right desperate desperate times call for desperate measures boy it is time oh
1: if you only knew if you only knew (laughs) and mr mike gordon as always it's my pleasure anything you're going to shout out about sir
2: Absolutely. Since we're talking all about vampire stuff, uh, I have to mention, cause I can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet. Well, I just actually a couple of weeks ago finished finally, uh, the, uh, the, the novel by Dacre Stoker and JD Barker, Draco, uh, which is, um, I was, uh, I was, I was tentative about it because I'm such a big Dracula fan, but I love, uh, you know, we've had Daker on the show. He's a good friend of the station. So I just wanted to uh, support him and and read, but I was, I was tentative. I was like, really, this is like, you know, Dracula is one of my favorite books. Let me tell you, this book is really good. Um, uh, It's, I didn't, I, I am amazed like the best thing I can say about it is that at times I felt like I was reading like lost chapters from Bram Stoker. Like there it's really solid. Um, The storytelling is, is unique uh, to its own and it's been hyped as a prequel, like, like Dracula's prequel, like you're going to follow Dracula as he becomes a vampire or something. That's not really what it's about. It's more about like Bram Stoker and his family encountering uh, vampires and the making of the book. So, um, I, I, and I know we know Daker, I mean, he, he does this research. So I am, I am a hundred percent sure that a lot of the instances that he's referring to that are in the Stoker life are, are accurate. So, uh, that's a, it's a nice, uh, addition to the book. So I definitely recommend it. It's really good. So, um, I was worried, but there's, uh, it's really, really a solid read. So I appreciate it. That is awesome, man.
1: My shout-out real quick goes out to Ollie's World of Bargains. I don't know if I've ever talked about it before, but there's a chain called Ollie's Good stuff cheap. Exactly. It's just amazing. I love that store. And for the geek in your life, they have trade comics. They have, like, the trade paperbacks from both Marvel and DC. And each time you go in, they get new shipments in. And they now have moved it off, and it's they have a wall of trade paperbacks. It's depending on the store, but most of them have, you know, stuff, and it's a lot of it's recent stuff even, like New 52, more like Marvel Infinity Wars and stuff, but they also have a lot of the Marvel Essentials or the show DC Showcases. It's pretty awesome stuff that you can find. And you can get – I don't think there's one that's more than – $7. I just picked up over the weekend. Uh, I picked up 3 of the Starman omnibuses from uh that DC put out a couple years back and that's the James James Robinson stuff. So I got a
5: couple Star Wars trade paperbacks there that they're like 15, 16, even 20 bucks in the comic book shops but yeah, they were like 6 or 7 there. So mm-hmm.
1: it's it is awesome. And like I said, you can get Amazing stuff there, and they're not paying us. This is not a paid advertisement by any means, but if they want to, we would be glad to take them on as a sponsor here on the <laughs> network. So, Ollie's is great if you get a chance. They just opened a couple years ago here in Georgia, but they're making up for lost time because the stuff is great. So, definitely check it out. And you know, that was my shout out. We definitely want to hear from you guys at home. Please write us. Hold on for a second. <clears throat> Weather's gotten warm again, so my allergies are coming back. Lovely. All right, three, two. That's going to wrap it up. So, we want to hear definitely hear from you guys. What are your thoughts on Buffy? Please write us at earthstation1esonetwork.com. Got a lot of different things coming up over the next few weeks. We got a brand new podcast joining the network, but only available to our patrons. Look for it soon. The ESO Network riff. It's pretty darn awesome so that's going to be it next week we are going to be looking at our music spotlight when we take on Aerosmith this time we're going to be talking all about Steven Tyler and his band from Boston
5: you're going to be living on the edge huh
1: oh I am I'm gonna be having to walk this way so it's okay (laughs) so you know we're not gonna you know talk about the toys in the attic either so it's okay So I know we could keep going, and I'm sure we'll hear a lot about that next week. So join us then. (laughs) We will see you then. My name is Mike Faber. We'll talk to you real soon. Peace, and we're done. Awesome, we're done. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One Podcast. Peace, and we're done.
0: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the T Public store